Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a special edition of Flyers Daily. We weren't expecting this. We talked to Bill Meltzer on Monday in our usual Monday spot, but we're going right back to him here on Wednesday because we've got a major trade from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com where you can get the breakdown of uh, the instant analysis on the deal and much more. NHL.com and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Boy, I was taken by surprise here by the timing, Bill. You know, the unwritten rule, uh, not making trades of significance, especially during the cup final. Danny Briere didn't seem to get that memo. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Um, he got the assets he wanted and he, and he pulled the trigger quickly. So, you know, that's, uh, it, it's, it, it's interesting. I mean, for, for the flyer side, it's all about the long term, obviously. Mm-hmm. It, it, to me, it's interesting that element of it, because sometimes if you're waiting to consummate a deal because of, an unwritten rule deadline or period, uh, you know, moratorium or whatever it is. Sometimes a deal can fall apart in that time because the GM can talk to another GM and find something that he likes better. Danny found a deal that he liked, and here it is. Let me let's give it to the people uh, in total. It's a three-team trade with Columbus and the Los Angeles Kings, and the Flyers acquire Cal Peterson, goaltender from the Los Angeles Kings, defenseman Sean Walker, and I'm not sure how to say his name. Helgi Granz, is that right? Helgi. Yeah, Helga, Helga Grons. Helga Grons. They get a second-round pick in the 24, maybe 25 NHL uh, entry draft, and they also get this 22nd overall pick, which is the Kings pick um, uh, this year in the NHL draft uh, from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Ivan Provorov goes the other way. 30% of the salary was retained by the Kings. Kevin Connaughton and Hayden Hodgson uh, go the other way as well, but all said and done, the Ivan Provorov era is done in Philadelphia. It's not just a trade bill, but it's a big trade and a guy that you could always count on being in the lineup and a guy that gave you 25 plus minutes a night. So it's going to create a significant hole. It, it does. And, you know, in the immediate term, uh, let's be honest, the Flyers blue line before the trade was a little thin, kind of suspect in some areas. And in the immediate term, this makes, makes the questions mark question marks that much more. Um, as you said, Provorov was going to play 20 whatever minutes a night. Sometimes, sometimes if you had to play with a little shorter bench or a game went overtime or something, you could push 28, 28 minutes. He had a couple games in his career. Where he hit 30 minutes. Has never missed a game due to injury. Uh, has had a couple of double-digit goal seasons. Um, you know, he had less power play time this year, as, as uh, Danny pointed out. And it's it's not that, uh, you know, he came to the Flyers. I guess it was the seventh overall pick, I think it was, in, in 2015. Yep. And um, was touted as being an almost Norris-level prospect. And that set an expectation that he's never quite been able to live up to, even in his best years. And he's had a couple of really good years, too. Um, you know, he, he won the Barry Ashby Trophy a number of times, twice probably more by default than by anything, you know, on merit. Um, actually, I thought actually I thought his best year was 2017-18, and – Gostas Bear won it that year because of points, but uh, I thought that I thought that was the best year of Provorov's career, and that was the second second season in the NHL, and also in, also in uh, the year he played with Niskanen uh, in, in 1920. That was another tremendous year. And the last few years have been really kind of a roller coaster for him, but at, at times he's played to a high level, and at times, you know, at, at times not so great. But the problem just just being in the short term. And, and Danny said, he, he made no bones about it. Hey, this, this is a hole, and we're going to have to fill it and figure out short-term and long-term what we're going to do here. But it, it, it's, uh, you know, 
in the in the real short term, um, the Flyers traded the best player in the in the deal. Now we'll see what you get with the twenty second overall pick, and a, and a reminder that uh, not that there's not that anything is tied to a number, but just just it doesn't have to be a top ten pick. If you look at the at the Flyers drafting history, who've been the last, who've been the best draft picks of the last 25, 26 years? It was Simone Gagne in '98, he was a 22nd overall pick, and, and Claude Giroux in 2006, and he was also a 22nd overall pick. So the point being, you you can find you can find a really good player. It takes takes a bit of luck, but uh, it, it, it's a really nice asset to have in, have in, in a particularly deep draft too. This draft might not be the 2003 draft. But it's it's a good one, and there should be a there should be a pretty darn good player available at twenty second overall. Even a guy who might in who might be in some teams' rankings a top ten potential guy, just because after you get past the first five or six guys, it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. Uh, who who ranks who where? So that's a really nice asset to get. And the other piece of it too being that the Flyers have very heavily traded draft picks, higher end draft picks in recent years, particularly second round picks. Um, you know, they, they traded a second round pick to move to move ghost. They traded first and second round picks, uh, to get Rasmus Ristolainen. And they got Tony D'Angelo last year. They traded in successive years, a fourth, a third, and a second. That's, that's a lot of second round picks in particular. They've moved. Now the flyers are going to get two and that's a, it's a year out or maybe in one case, one year out and two years out, depending on what Columbus wants to do a year from now. But Point being, the Flyers can start to restock a little bit of that depth in the system that, uh, you know, when, when they were trying to bounce back um, after 2021 was a disappointing year. Flyers kind of went all in on, on trying a trying a, uh, a quick retool and, and back back up towards the top. Now they're trying to restore some assets to it, too. So these these are to get to get three picks in the top two rounds. But even if a couple are spread, if they're spread over a couple seasons. That's that's pretty darn good, and especially when you think that Provorov, honestly, wasn't going to be here more than two more years. Yeah. He's an unrestricted free agent in two years, and I don't think he would have had a yeah, I don't think he would have had a problem moving on. I don't think it was his preference to stay here long term. So, yeah, it always seemed like there maybe there was a little bit of personality difference with he and his teammates, and obviously coaching as well. Usage and not being on the power play to contribute to those areas like points and, and such. All of a sudden, done Provorov since he made his debut in sixteen seventeen misses a total of three games, and they're all in the twenty one twenty two season. If I recall, they were all asymptomatic COVID tests at the time. COVID, yeah. yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, what wasn't wasn't even having symptoms. That was uh, yeah. And, he was, and, and I. I I understood his frustration about that because he'd never missed the game before that. that. That was kind of rough. Yeah, I mean, all of a sudden done 532 games in just seven years. It's a pretty astounding number. 65 goals, 152 assists, 217 points. was a minus 28, and he's really the, the big number. I mean, the game's played is, is the big one for him. Uh, but when you look at average time on ice, 24 minutes and five seconds in those seven seasons, and his high was 25.07. Uh, back in the 18-19 season, he did have that 17 goals, 24 assists for 41 points in his second year in the league. And it looked like he was on his way, but, you know, as the, the Flyers have kind of fallen back, so did Ivan Provorov in, in some of those areas as well. Uh, so he is no longer a Philadelphia Flyer. Um, you know, what they get in return here, Bill, is there's some salary dump involved in it. But really the name that's really intriguing to a lot of people is Cal Peterson. He's the goaltender uh, they get from the Los Angeles Kings who spent this past year uh, playing in the minors, just had a really big fall off in his game. It's, it's odd because the first 54 games of his NHL career, and he was well thought of his record wasn't good. 19 and 20, 1925 and six, 
Um, and he was well thought of enough to be the heir apparent to Jonathan Quick. He had a 916 save percentage, a 279 goals against average. The last two years, it's really fallen off for him. Is this a bit of a reclamation project? And I, I don't know if we really know where he fits in until we see how everything shakes out because Carter's Hart's name has been out there uh, amongst the rumors. Yeah, and, and and if Carter gets moved, I mean, I guess Peterson would compete with, with Arison. But there's also the possibility that, uh, I mean, he Peterson just cleared waivers last season, and, yeah. and he spent about two-thirds of the season in the, the American League uh, with Ontario. A um, couple of playoff starts, he kind of struggled, kind of struggled in their, their first round playoff series. Um, so it, it, it's strictly a reclamation project. And, you know, if, if it clicks – um, great. <laughs> Whether it's as, as Carter Hart's backup and and uh, Urson spends a little bit more time in the AHL, he's not he's still waiver exempt for another year. So um, you know they the Flyers do have that option. Um, or you know or Peterson could probably clear waivers again and start for the Phantoms and yeah. still be available for depth. I mean you know that's uh, he's kind of an expensive third string goalie. If, if, it, if it works out that way. Um, it'd be nicer if it was an expiring deal, too. But be that as it may, I mean, it's uh, it, 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 that's a guy who definitely, I think he needs to change the scenery. Um, sometimes, particularly with goalies, sometimes that's all they need. Um, but uh, he, uh, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't just the numbers, too. His, his confidence was definitely down. Um, and there were, there were times where... Uh, he, he let in, he he let in his share of goals that, that looked kind of stoppable the, yeah. the last couple of years. So I I don't know what will happen with that. Um, you know Walker Walker went healthy to me is a serviceable top six guy. Um, you know I I know I know that you know he moves the puck well. Um, has a little bit of offense, not a ton, but but he has a little bit of offense in his game. Likes likes to join the play. Uh, I know they've been looking for to add to their puck moving ability um, was healthy this year because he'd been injured almost the entire year before that. And he's on, and he's on an expiring deal. And, and if he's your six or your number seven for a year, or you keep him around and you, you deal him with the deadline for whatever pick you get in return, that, that's fine. I, I don't think, I don't think he was acquired for the, the long term. And Grons is Grons to me is the, is another X factor in the trade because in terms of physical tools, I like him a little bit to, to Phil Myers because he's got good size. He's like 6'4", 205-ish, um, good skater, very athletic, right-handed shot. And in his two years in the in the American League, it hasn't really come together yet. He's still only 21. Um, I think there there are some hockey sense concerns, and that's probably why he was available in this trade. But sometimes, sometimes you get a guy who has all the tools and he figures it out at some point too, and and it adds some immediate depth, a potential call-up option sometime this year could make his NHL debut. Uh, I'm not saying you pencil him in for 20 minutes a night. I'm saying you pencil him for 16 minutes a night. But but he's a guy who who you know, who may click. Sometimes sometimes defensemen develop later, particularly a, a guy who's a little bit bigger like he is. So. I, I, you know, just a name to stash away as someone who might be able to help at some point. Yeah. Former second over our second round pick there. And, you know, big right-handed six, three, six, four, 200 plus pound defenseman that can skate. 
are kind of the unicorn in the league. And the Flyers don't have a ton of depth in that in that area. I mean, you're playing Cam York on the right side last year. And then obviously you have Ronnie Adder, who played this year with the Phantoms, got a game with the Flyers. But uh, that's an area where um, they could use some depth. It's not like right wing, you know, where they have a, a glut. But uh, in this case, they add to that position. Um, Bill, when you look at this, you know, this is really the first signature move of Danny Briere. You know, the fact that he does it when he did, the magnitude of what the deal is with what came back, a little bit of salary dump, a lot of assets, and you traded a player that of the stature of Provorov. Um, what does it tell you about Danny Breer that this is the way his tenure begins? Well, I, I think that he, he means business. That, that when he sees a deal he likes, he's not gonna he's not gonna hesitate. Um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think that Chuck got a done a raw deal, but but a tough rap in some ways because there are a lot of things that happened that just like uh, you know were really beyond his control, like like Ellis, you know, yeah, like Ellis, Ellis had never had that particular injury that, that really going to end his career, and they were putting they're putting a lot of you know they're putting a whole lot of stock into Ellis kind of being their top pairing guy to play with Provorov. And then Kateri and Atkinson, too. <laughs> and I was going to say, in this past year, just, just you know, you, you never had Couturier, you never had Atkinson. And you haven't had, you haven't had Couturier for a season and a half. So, you know, those, those things. But I think one one of the criticisms uh, with Chuck is he's a bright guy and he likes to weigh and consider things and, and get a lot of opinions involved and that's that just his style. But I think sometimes he sat too long on things. Um you know, and and uh, you talk yourself out of anything, can't you? Yeah, you, you can. The more the more you think about it, you the more you think about the downsides of doing something, and then then opportunities pass you by, and other team other teams make moves, and you stand still. And uh, I think one thing Danny seems very determined to do is to uh, to take action when he sees when he sees an avenue. I, I also like that he's he says, and I believe him that he's not going to just jump into other trades for the sake of making trades. Or something. They'll act, and, and if not, then they wait on it. Um, one of my concerns, truthfully, with uh, with Torts saying we need to add, we need to subtract rather before we add, is if you're if you're just so aggressive in subtracting, yeah. you you can you can end up with some bad trades. Um, the Flyers the Flyers were not lowballing this. They got a, a lot of really good assets back um, for Provorov. So if they if they can negotiate. Those kind of creative deals, three-way trades, you know, um, other teams retaining, maybe the Flyers retaining in some cases, and, and get better assets back in return. I think I think that's all you can ask for in the, the this first this really this first stage of the rebuild. Yeah, the thing about it too is, you know, th- th- if you're going to do something bold, it's going to come with risk, and there's just, there is some risk here because. You know, you're taking off your roster, a, a 26-year-old defenseman that's missed three games in his seven seasons in the NHL, a guy that was – he was a fierce competitor. Yes. Um, I mean, we, we know what he was like after the shoulder injury in that playoff series when they lost in, in the locker room in tears just because he couldn't help his team. He was just such a fierce competitor. Uh, so there is some risk involved here. But in today's NHL with 32 teams, if you're not willing to take risk and have a vision – and execute it and pounce when you need to, you are going to, you're going to be, your team's going to be on a treadmill. You're not going to go anywhere. You're going to be moving, but you're going to be standing still. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me in this whole thing. And what Danny said in the press conference too, was 
hey, we're open for business. We're listening on everyone. We're not in a position to not listen on anyone. And that includes Carter Hart. And, you know, I'm I'm really leery of any deal that involves him. I know Toronto is one of the teams that surfaced. I would think L.A. would be a team that would surface for him, too. I think there's a lot of teams that fit for Carter Hart. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is he is a 24-year-old goaltender, and I haven't seen enough of Sam Harrison, and I don't know that Kolosov is going to develop like Sorokin and Shosturkin. There's a lot of question marks there. Um, yeah, you got to do your due diligence. Somebody's going to overpay me. They're going to put me to the test. But I would be – I'm still a little leery about that. And, and I tend to think that information gets out. There's always a motivation behind it. You always got to look at that part. What's the motivation in this becoming public or being, you know, leaked to a, a reporter? And to me, this might be like one of those things where you shoot up like a, one of those flares on a boat for them to find you to say, hey, this is the word out there that's available. So if you want to get in this mix, you're going to have to overpay, but come to the table. And maybe that was the flare that was sent out there yesterday. Yeah. And and to, you know, to, to say that there's nobody's untouchable, the, the name the, the name I think our team would particularly have to overpay besides besides Hart because that that's a that's a given. Right now it's connecting. Connecting is coming off of, of a truly a you know career year for him, even despite some injuries this year. And I, I think it would it would take a lot to pry him. But he but Danny never Danny never said that. You know he said nobody's untouchable. And I and, and I, I believe he means that. It all, of course it all depends on what comes back. But I, I think I really do think the open for business means just that. And yeah. trading pro overall, particularly pulling the trigger pretty quickly, I think sends a, a pretty strong message that he's serious about it. How's a pro going to handle? I know him and Torts kind of had some sandpaper this year. How's he going to handle Mike Babcock out there in Columbus? <laughs> well, we'll see. I, I mean, he's not going to he's not going to play over Warensky on the power play. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, Provorov really takes a lot of pride in playing in every situation. And so if, if he's not playing in every situation there and is playing 22 minutes a night instead of 25 or whatever the case might be, he's not going to be happy there. He's not going to be happy with that either. But, yeah. you know. And he'll be gone in two uh, years. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be gone in two years. Can And particularly if he has a good contract drive here, he can almost, you know, mm -hmm. the uh, and then the salary cap will go up by then too. So he'll, he'll be set up nicely at, at some point. I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know how much – Columbus is going to bounce back next season. We'll see. I think they should be better just by being healthier, and they've added Provorov to the mix. But um, yeah, but I, I mean, Bab Babcock, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out because he certainly, he certainly is a hard pushing coach in some ways. In some ways, much harder than Torts, honestly. Yeah, he, he is. I mean, I think you know a lot of people especially on social media, never want to give anybody a second chance. And and he's a guy, we'll see if he learned from some pretty significant mistakes that he's made in his career and his tact. Um, but let's not forget, he was he has been one hell of a coach. <laughs> let's, I mean, well, yeah. the international well, success, NHL success. Yeah, won a Stanley Cup, three cup finals with two different teams, yeah. going all the way back to when he was with Anaheim. Uh, Olympic gold medal, managing a roster of, of superstars and getting – getting guys to accept what their roles were on the team because you have, you have to, everybody has to play roles no matter what they do, you know, in the NHL, it's different in the Olympics. And he, he managed that, he managed that brilliantly. So no, no question. He knows how to coach. No question. He's had a lot of success. It's just a question of player relations. Right. And, yeah. um, trust and yeah. And, and trust, trust level. And it, it's, uh, you know, he's taken a lot of hits 
in the last few years, uh, you know, kind of kind of cast as a prototype bully coach, honestly, yeah. the, for, for lack of a better term. So he's going to have to uh, he's going to have to address that and make adjustments. You know, we talked about this in Monday's episode. It was happenstance and the kind of way we talked about it. But, you know, Columbus is the first team in the Metropolitan Division to make a significant move. You know, they, we know they signed Gaudreau last offseason. He's now 30. Uh, be heading on 31 if they don't have a good year this year. And, and what is the, what's the future with Johnny Gaudreau and his ability to be a solid contributor on a really good team on the ascend? And Columbus is the first team in the Metro to come out and make a, a bold addition. We'll see if the Rangers follow Carolina. You know, the Islanders, like Caps and Pittsburgh, are poised to have an off uh, an offseason where – uh, they could be very mistake prone. There's real. The, these teams are really in a volatile spot of making a mistake. That that's the position I think that they're in, and I think it's a fascinating thing. We'll get into it at some other point. Um, but the other thing, Bill, is you know one of the rumors that was out there for a long time was Kevin Hayes to Columbus at the draft. Um, you know they get a deal done with Columbus, a third team in the Kings. But Kevin Hayes isn't in it. Does this mitigate that in any way, shape, or form? Does Babcock mitigate that in any way, shape, or form? I, I don't think Babcock really affects whether, you know, in, in and of himself. And part of part of being an NHL coach, particularly experienced coaches, uh, I don't want to say ego. I'd say a, a self-belief that, you, that whereas other coaches may not have gotten through to a player and gotten the best of them, I can do it. That, yep. that, that That's pretty universal. Let me get my hands on them. Exactly. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yep. You know, and, and uh, that, that's very much a thing. And I, I think Babcock is among those coaches who feels that like maybe other guys can't get, maybe other guys can't get the most out of them. I can. So I, I don't think in and of itself, but, but I do think, I do think other moves may mitigate that. But at the same time too, uh, as far as Provorov goes, you know, cause there's always cap considerations. LA is eating 30% of this too. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a big element of it as well. Um, last thing, Bill, you know, this deal gets done. It's, it's a bold move right out of the box from a new GM and a team that's in an area that they've probably never clearly defined in their entire existence of rebuild. Um, but does it give you kind of a, a sense or a feeling of, you know, flyer days have passed, taking big swings, taking some risk and, you know, going, OK, where we are is not acceptable and we're going to have to do some pretty bold things to get back there. Uh, we saw that in, in Paul Holmgren's tenure, certainly, and other GMs here in Philadelphia. And, and Danny Briere's off to one of those kick and starts to give you kind of that feeling of, okay, this is also also kind of an announcement that Flyers mean business and they're going to do whatever they can to get back around, uh, you know, the, the upper pantheon of the NHL. For sure, I, I think the last time the Flyers made a comparable trade uh, was Braden Shen to St. Louis. Where they got 2017, which was Frost, and 2018, which was Faraby, first round picks, and uh, you know for a still still young NHL player, effective player, etc. To me, this is the first time they've done something kind of similar since then. Um, one 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 lesson from that one is like, don't don't rush to judge. It can take some time. Yep. You know, wait wait, wait till the wait wait till the players in wait till the assets that are coming back. Uh, develop a little bit. They're 22, 23 years old, whatever the case might be, um, and then see where they're at then. And then, then you can reevaluate whether you got good value or not. But, but in terms of at the time value, again, I think this is really nice value. It's uh, it, it it checks it checks a lot of boxes. And ultimately, you know, ultimately we'll see. 
but also it also gives some of the young players a little bit more opportunity to maybe take a little bigger bite of the team too. And if you're in a if you're in a rebuilding timeline here, you get you get to see it. it's Cam York ready to take a take a bigger bite and you know and, and play twenty plus minutes a night and more power play time and that kind of thing. Um, so you know, it gives an opportunity for a guy like Zamula, maybe Adderd. You know, these these guys are these guys have spots that can be won and and time you know, more ice time available for a guy like York. So that that's another piece of this too. And I just you know you, you can make the instant analysis, but really it's all it's all about the long term and the bigger picture. So a couple of years down the line, we'll, we'll have a better sense as to how well the Flyers did in this. All right, I lied. That wasn't the last question because now you've opened up the can. Um, two things. <laughs> Does this make Cam York the top pairing left side defenseman on his natural side? And, you know, Travis Sanheim, obviously, on the second yeah. pairing with Preston Kristalainen and a couple of different partners this year on the left side is coming off a really down year. So, you know, I want, I'm almost wonder how this kind of shakes out for you, your left side of your D. Is it Cam York on the top pair or is this kind of going to just be determined as who's playing well at the time? I, I, yeah, I think it, it's kind of a committee thing for now. Um, I I think everybody's going to absorb little little bigger roles and and see who handles what. But that opportunity is certainly there. Um, he'll he'll almost certainly move back to the left side full time, and uh, it, it it's there it's there to be earned. Is, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, and, and maybe this you know deal is a little bit of an indication about how they feel about the trajectory of Cam York. I don't think he's ever going to be the same kind of shutdown defender that I can prove off. I just don't think they're they're the same type of player. But I mean, he is so calm, and that that is a good thing to have on a top pairing as well. But we'll see if he can handle, you know, facing the likes of every team's top line night in and night out. That is no easy task. Well, the off season is uh, officially underway now. I mean, movement has happened. A big name has been moved. Some additions and some assets uh, have come our way. So, everybody, thanks for listening. Special edition of Flyers Daily. Thanks to Bill Meltzer. Read his work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. And we'll continue to follow the storylines as they develop. Everybody, have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you Friday on a brand new Flyers Daily. Twin soldiers and me.